I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Who is Jarrett William Smith? In reality, like when 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 all the dust settles and there's documents being released years down the road. Who is Jarrett William Smith going to be revealed as? Is he going to be a William Mitchell figure? A Ted Kaczynski? Or is he truly just some, I don't know, white nationalist separatist that wanted to go fight in the Ukraine and bomb some, I don't know, CNN or MSNBC or whoever the hell he was talking about bombing? Is he truly just some military member that's putting out there, putting information on how to build bombs on, on the internet in chat rooms, teaching Ukrainian Azov battalion members how to build bombs via blueprints in chat rooms? Is that who he is? Why was he, why is it reported that when he joined the military, it was so he could fight in the Ukraine alongside neo-Nazi regiments, fascist elements like Azov Battalion and C-14. When I see a story like this, I automatically start questioning, who is this guy? Where did he come from? How come there are so many military members? I think I, I think I read it was like 14 military members that have been arrested on suspicion of teaching the Azov Battalion how to build bombs and wanting to go fight in Ukraine against the Russian separatists in Kiev. I'm not, I mean, I know, okay, so I know Kiev was part of the Soviet Union. The Ukraine was, was a Soviet nation. It was, and I think Kiev, if I'm not mistaken, it was something like 90% of the citizens of Kiev identify as Russian and not Ukrainian. And for some reason, the U.S. feels it's their business to arm, fund, and train the Azov Battalion and C-14 members in order to fight the Russian separatist of Kiev. National security, I'm sure. Certain that's going to be the the call. It's going to be a national security issue, as we are want 
to talk around here. But why? And it, it makes me think of Operation Paperclip after World War II, in which the CIA whitewashed Nazi officers and scientists' backgrounds in order to smuggle them into, into the U.S. and give them government positions. MKUltra was, was started based upon these uh, scientists and officers being smuggled into the U.S. The uh, NASA was developed largely due to the technologies that the German scientists, the Nazi scientists, had assisted U.S. scientists in developing. And the clandestine operations ramped up sufficiently as these now American intelligence assets became part of the intelligence community of the United States. That wasn't the first batch of Nazis being smuggled out of the war zone by a United States uh, intelligence member. Alan Dulles had run an operation smuggling Nazi officers out of Italy prior to Operation Paperclip. And we've all heard the suspicions that Hitler was not actually killed in Germany, that he was smuggled out of Germany and ended his life in Argentina. There are FBI documents that have been released that suggest that the FBI was investigating the possibility that Hitler was alive in uh, South America as late as the 1960s. But why? Why, why do you... Why do you think that the United States government would go to war killing millions of people in World War II only to, to, to adopt the exact same ideology within its permanent government structure, within its shadow government structure that the Nazis had been using in Germany? Was this another case of full-spectrum dominance, knowing that after World War I, the United States was one of many superpowers? And by the time that the United States entered into World War II, it was obvious that it was going to be a sole superpower. As it hadn't lost the funding, it had, it had prospered in business, in an arms dealing, 
Britain was losing their their hold as a superpower. France had lost their hold. Russia was doomed to collapse. Plus, it had lost several, several million people in battles on their border with the German soldiers. And here comes America to the rescue, flying in. And things got bloody for America. And there there were a lot of men that were killed. But it was nothing compared to the devastation that Russia faced or the Soviet Union at that time faced. It was nothing compared to what Britain had faced or what France had faced or what Japan had faced. And if they could just get Germany out of the way, they were going to be the sole empire of the world. Everything was going to end and begin with the United States. So, is it just an ends justifies the means? That the arms race and the space race... And the clandestine operations and the possibility of developing a brainwashing drug and a mind control drug was worth the the evils and the illegal activities that were used to become the sole empire of the world the sole superpower I would say yeah it's very much a utilitarian outlook that hey we we got to do what we had to do in order to defeat Nazi Germany and and put our rubber stamp in and and make sure that we come out of this virtually unscathed as the top industrial power as the economic center of the world as the top military power of the world we have to ensure that Nazi Germany falls and what better way of ensuring that than to lure the Japanese into attacking the United States given that public sentiment was to stay out of the war World War I was supposed to be the war to end all wars. The American people didn't want to lose more of their sons and daughters in World War II. They didn't want more of their children to go to Europe to die. So a plan had to be concocted to lure an attack onto the United States. To give the United States an excuse to enter the war. So the United States began to lay sanctions on Japan. And they left some of their older Navy vessels at Pearl Harbor while drawing out their more modern, more expensive, 
more technologically advanced naval vessels. And cables were coming through that revealed the attack was imminent on Pearl Harbor. They didn't know when, but they knew where. And as generals and people in the cryptography, the, uh, excuse me, cryptography, um, links of government were sending this intelligence to the CIA and to the White House. They were told to stop, to stop sending this. They didn't need this information, that it was worthless. And the attack was allowed to happen. This gave the United States an excuse to enter the war. Only to fight Japan. But it was an excuse. And today, very few people say that we had to enter the war to fight the Japanese. No. Everybody says we had to enter the war to stop the Holocaust. But that was not the excuse used. Actually, America entering the war ramped up the Holocaust. It's very possible it wouldn't have been near as bad had America stayed out of the war. Was this full-spectrum dominance? Was this the American idea to become the world's superpower? I would say yes. I would say that this was a opportunistic feat and venture by the United States intelligence agencies and the White House. If you remember, FDR was basically president for life at that point. So I would, I would venture to say that the intervention into World War II was an opportunistic act in order to become the sole superpower of the world. And that Operation Paperclip and working with the Nazis was a utilitarian outlook that the ends justified the means. That by any means necessary, communism had to be defeated. And by this time, the intelligence agencies were acting in clandestine ways. A lot of times without the knowledge of the White House. And this is where the compartmentalization of the intelligence communities began. Everybody was on a need-to-know basis. If you weren't 
directly involved with an operation, you did not need to know. And we still see this today with the once labeled anti-communist jihadists, the Mujahideen, which are really a far, far right, nearly fascist, Islamist po political ideology, far from the religion of Islam, the politics of Islam are about dominance. Just like far from the religion of Christianity, the theocracy of Christianity is dominance, which is why you had eras like the Crusades. So you look at the continuation of the CIA and these intelligence communities operating and working with these far-right fascist Nazi organizations, organizations like RAM, organizations like Azov Battalion or C-14, And then you have to start wondering, these people that are being arrested by the FBI, what's the next thing we're going to hear about them? When do we next hear about them? Do we hear about their trials? Do we hear about convictions? Do we hear how much time they're going to serve? Or do they just get a change of identity and sent back out into the field as an, as an asset? And in, in this way, you have to look at the different tiers of, of CIA, of intelligence. You have your intelligence officers, which are men and women that work for the Central Intelligence Agency. They actually carry around a CIA badge. They are employed by the CIA. Then you have contractors. All right. And these are contract assets or just contractors. This is what you had with like Edward Snowden. Okay. They work for a company that is a sister company, such as like a Blackwater. You had Edward Snowden uh, was was in this in this field. You also had um in the 60s, a man by the name of Frank Sturgis was in this field. He was affiliated with the far-right anti-Castro Cubans. And they were much more fascistic in their line of thinking as well. They had organizations like the DRE. I think it was called we uh, the the United States had labeled it the Cuban Student Directorate. And they were operating in Operation Mongoose, along with George Joannides, along with James Jesus Angleton, along with Robert Crowley and William Corson, Dick Helms. All these infamous CIA names that you hear. 
But they were also working with Schlumberger, an oil company that had um, they had that had had offices in Houma, Louisiana, about forty-five minutes outside of New Orleans, and Schlumberger was running guns into Louisiana for the anti-Castro Cubans being trained on Lake Pontchartrain. And FBI, Kennedy sent the FBI into Lake Pontchartrain after the Bay of Pigs had failed to shut down the training grounds. And there you run into people like David Ferry. And Lee Harvey Oswald. That were assisting in the training programs. Clay Shaw, also known as Clay Bertrand, was also operational. David Atlee Phillips, running, running the Mexico City CIA Bureau, was also involved at this time. So what is it, why is it always the CIA involved with these far-right fascist-style organizations? Why are those so obsessed with fascism? It's not that hard to see. The CIA operates in the shadows as a totalitarian regime, they spy on everyone. They want to know everything. They want to control every aspect of life. They want to control information as per Operation Mockingbird. They want to control who is operating and, and politically active in other countries. So you get coups such as in Iran or Guatemala. They want to control business interest and cronyism in internationally so that they may enrich themselves and their friends. And so when you look at the Ukraine and you look at the Azov Battalion and you look at the Russian separatists, you have to start asking yourself, why is it that the CIA has become so hard-pressed to go after Russia? When, in 2004, when John Kerry, with not, not John Kerry, I'm sorry, Mitt Romney was running against Obama, it was either 2004 and 2000, or 2008, and Mitt Romney brought up Russia as a threat to the United States. And Obama said something along the lines of the 80s called. They'd like their politics back. At that time, it was considered a joke. Hillary Clinton showed up with a reset button to reset diplomacy with Russia. 
Yet today, every Democrat suddenly believes that Russia is the biggest threat to democracy and that it justifies propping up fascist regimes. They don't look at history and say, well, we worked with Stalin to to overthrow Hitler, and then Stalin became this massive threat and this genocidal maniac. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. Because Trump is so much worse than genocide. Trump is so much worse than murder. Full-spectrum dominance is so much more important than peace. Full-spectrum dominance is so much more important than state sovereignty. And I know in a lot of cases, we feel, as libertarians, that we're out on the fringes, or as anarchists, whatever you want to label yourself. I'm using libertarian in the Rothbardian sense, not in the Nick Sarwalk sense. And we feel like we're out on the fringes, and we we are almost forced to choose by the more binary thinking that, well, if you're not agreeing with the Democrats, then you're agreeing with the Republicans, and if you're not agreeing with the Republicans, that you're not agreeing with the Democrats. And I just completely deny all of that. But I also am willing to admit that given the power that the intelligence community has had since its inception in 1947, actually prior to that, if you look at the cryptographers that led into the development of the NSA, um, that was actually began in 1917 during World War I to decipher messages by telegram, um, not by telegram, by telegraph, going over the wire. And you have to start wondering how much of what we are believing and what our thought process is, is determined by the intelligence community and the propaganda that they are espousing and putting out there. And I say this because I, I look at these known fascist organizations like RAM or like the Azov Battalion or C-14. I look at Operation Paperclip. I look at the Mujahideen. I look at the DRE. I look at the Contras and all of these groups, I look at Pinochet, all of these groups, all of these people, all of these dictators that the United States tries to prop up and to use to their benefit have very fascistic tendencies as far as 
they are very organized. They believe that that society should be nearly militant and organized at every structure based upon whatever ideology that they espouse to, whether it be Islam or military ideologies or, or whatever, or free market ideologies or whatever. Whatever you want to say, there, there are fascistic tendencies to every group that the CIA works with. And though the Cold War has ended, the war on the on the more nationalistic and more socialistic aspects of foreign governments has not ended. When Russia operates, when you hear Vladimir Putin talk, he is talking about the Russian people, always talking about how he wants to help the Russian people. He is very dedicated to his country and to his people. When you look at Assad and you look at the national the, the nationalizing of their oil and and his determination to to run all their private businesses, their their um, telephone companies, their banks and everything, they're nationally and not allow international corporations to intervene. You realize that the white helmets are a proxy for international cronyism. When you look at the uh, the Iran coup in 1953 and how it was about nationalizing their oil and their resources in order to in order to enrich the country and stop the famines and stop the starvation of the Iranian people and how the US the CIA went in there to overthrow that regime, to put, place a puppet regime in there that was friendly to United States and British business interests, you have to start wondering, is the entire Russia scandal, the entire Russia, Russian ordeal, is it all based upon that in 2011 they ran out all the international bankers out of the country? that they're not allowing international corporations to operate outside of the rules of Moscow? Is it because they won't allow the CIA and its business interest to get rich at the expense of the country of Russia? Is that what the problem is in Venezuela as well? How about North Korea? China? It seems to me like America's major problem with every nation that it wants to continue to bomb and fight is that that nation, that those people of that nation 
want the resources to enrich themselves and not international business interests. And that the CIA's dedication and their real um, allegiance lies in the expansion of these business interests in order to complete their ideology of full-spectrum dominance. So when you see or you hear these Democrats defending the CIA, just ask them, why are you so friendly with fascists? I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.